Thank you, Sophie, for that reading. My name is Alex, and I serve as senior minister here at Knox, and we wanted to start the new year off on a note of seeking the Lord's blessing and a particular note of prayer. So you've already heard from Sam about how our service at 4.30 today is going to be focused on prayer, asking God for blessing and healing. And as I reflected on um, what it looks like to uh, be blessed by the Lord and to live in the joy of the Lord, I could think of no one better than Robin and Philip Serez to invite to Knox. Now, um, Robin is my sister-in-law, and Philip is my brother-in-law. Judith, my wife, uh, Robin is her oldest sister. So they are family, so I'm a little biased in this regard, I confess. Um, But they are wonderful people, and we are delighted to welcome them today to Knox. Uh, They live in Kitchener. They have four adult children, of whom one of them, Renee, is here with us today. And for the past 25 years, they have served with Multiply, the global mission agency of the Mennonite Brethren Church. They work as mission consultants, teachers, ministry trainers, and short-term opportunity leaders. So if you're interested in mission, they're good people to talk to. They have a particular passion for developing partnerships with churches and individuals that mobilize people uh, into prayer and into global service. So, Philip and Robin, we're so pleased that you are here with us today. Can I pray for you before we hear from you? Lord God, um, we thank you for your church in all of its global scope. We thank you that we are worshiping here today. We are a certain number of people in this room, but around the world, there are hundreds of millions of people praising you, Lord Jesus. And we thank you for every reminder we get of that, that we are one in Christ, um, and that you send us out especially on Epiphany Sunday, with the light of your good news. And so I want to pray for Philip and Robin as they bring a message from your word today, that you would bless them as they do that, watch over them, and I pray well beyond today that you bless them in this remarkable ministry they've had in the last few years of speaking about your joy um, in the midst of all the things that, that we have to deal with, and they do especially. We pray for them in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Thank you for having an accessible stage. That is rare. It's true. We have found churches have accessible seating for the congregation, but not so much if you're trying to, you know, get up to the front. (laughs) Maybe there's a humility thing there. I'm not too sure. We're so thankful to be here with you guys today. And it's always a privilege and joy to discover more members of the family. Good morning. Hello friends, it's great to be with you today. Thank you for the opportunity to testify to the goodness of God. We know we are in good company, as you are a church that loves to worship and pray together. I do want to say I didn't mean to do this sort of aha moment of Philip rising up on the stage as he did his welcome. I just forgot to do that before (laughs) he started speaking. Um. Philip and I serve, as Alex has said, with a global mission agency called Multiply. And it's our passion to call a generation to surrender to Jesus and train them in kingdom mission here and around the world. But in this last season, God's given us a new assignment, a message that he continues to ask us to share. As you may know, 
I was diagnosed three years ago. I have lost my voice and the use and strength in my hands, arms and legs. I am thankful that I don't have any pain, but I can get stir-crazy in this chair. Since I lost my voice, Robin has been speaking what I've written. She sounds a lot better anyway. We will go back and forth between us sharing. We hope you can follow along. And there was a little glitch there. He was diagnosed with ALS. That somehow dropped out of the sentence. So Philip was diagnosed with ALS. And you may know it as another name, Lou Gehrig's disease. It's a degenerative neurological disease where the brain gradually stops communicating with the muscles. A slow paralysis, so to speak. And there's no cure. Eventually, the muscles that support breathing stop functioning. And our only hope of healing is God's powerful intervention. We know he can. We don't know if he will. But we're full of faith in his power. The prayers of so many have made a profound difference in how we're journeying together towards and with Jesus. And for those of you here who have been praying for us, thank you so much so much. And I just want to add, we can share this morning, uh, not because we have it all figured out, (laughs) or because we find it easy, or we've overcome all the obstacles, not at all. It's a hard road. We're heartbroken, and we struggle. But we can share this morning because Psalm 46 and a whole bunch of other powerful scriptures and promises are true. God is our refuge and our strength. He is a very present help in times of trouble. He holds us fast. And we're learning how true that is. And although there are many themes that have stirred over these last three plus years, one overarching, underpinning phrase continues to resonate deeply with what God is doing. It was in our scripture this morning. And it just isn't changing. Well, I guess it's more like where he's keeping us. We're hidden with Christ in God. And because of this, there is joy. We want to testify to joy this morning and how we have been experiencing it in the middle of difficult times. Grief, pain, and sorrow are all real, but so is God who generates a joy in the hearts of believers that transcend circumstances and sustains us through hardship. So we want to anchor our time today in this premise and a promise. The premise from Colossians 3.3, Paul writes, And your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in his glory. We're hidden with Christ in God. That's where all our hope and joy comes from, from this place, this position of being tucked into the powerful presence of God. And Paul says, this is our real life, your real life, where we live if we belong to God. And in that safe place, there is joy, discovering joy. Since the beginning of this crisis, we have been surprised by joy. Sometimes we look at each other amazed. Why do we have all this joy? 
Somehow alongside the weighty grief of this disease, there are these pulsing embers of joy getting stronger and stronger. We wonder, how is God doing this? It's so counterintuitive. C.S. Lewis said pain is God's megaphone to a deaf world. Well we have heard God shouting, over here, I am here. Which leads to the promise, we don't suffer alone. God is with us, Emmanuel. Instead of removing pain, and from life's equation, he adds a variable, his presence. And his presence brings joy. Philip continues on, This season isn't easy. We carry this deep sadness, but we don't carry it alone. The grief of possibly losing years with my family is gut-wrenching, but his peace overrides. I may never reach the milestones in life and mission I'd hoped for, but I don't despair. I am hidden with Christ in God. He surrounds me. In fact, that's it. When we trust God, there's no despair. When we've surrendered our lives to Jesus, we still experience grief and sadness, but without despair, they've lost their sting. Jesus said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give you is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be afraid. Don't be troubled. Philip says, I've been discovering that God's companionship is so much more palpable when it's all you have left. I call it the terrifying delight of losing everything. The trauma of this disease has left me with only the capacity to collapse in the arms of my Heavenly Father and ask myself, is it enough? Enough to satisfy, enough to fill my identity, enough to fuel my hope? enough to direct my rest. I can't perform for his attention. I can't be strong for his approval. I've nothing left to bargain with. Yet I hear his voice, his invitation from Isaiah 55. Come, Philip. Come, everyone who thirsts. Come to the waters. He who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. I'm thankful that even if everything else is lost, we're left with the love and acceptance of God, our Father. It is untouchable. We're proving that. It is untouchable. He's with us. He knows just what we need, and he wants to provide it. Jesus loves me, this I know, for his spirit tells me so. Paul describes it this way in 2 Corinthians 4, 6, which was the other scripture we had this morning. For God who said, let brilliant light shine out of darkness, is the one who cascaded his light into us. The brilliant, dawning light of the glorious knowledge of God as we gaze into the face of Jesus Christ. This verse says that knowing God through Jesus is the light in the darkness. And he is the provider of that light. It's as powerful and disruptive as creation was. It's a fountain of hope filling our souls, overwhelming life's cruelest circumstances with his love. When the knowledge of God is embedded in us through Jesus, when we know him because we've said yes to him, 
our hearts are filled with trust and courage. He can't help it. He's God. He loves us recklessly, passionately, deeply, and we are tucked there. We're hidden with Christ in God. But we do have a section called Losing Joy. Let's face it, it isn't always our experience, this glorious language of truth that I just shared. And for so many reasons. Maybe our relationship with God has lots of questions and we're struggling with doubt. Or the voices of culture around us and the distractions that we escape to are crowding out his voice. Or we're so busy managing our situations that we lose the sense of God's active, engaged presence wanting to fill us with his strength and his light. There are days when I have just put my head down and done the work it takes to look after Philip, and he's a lot of work. And at the end of the day, I feel spent. I have nothing left. I'm empty. Actually, and sometimes I'm grumpy. (laughs) Know what I mean? And I have needed to confess to Jesus that I missed all the loving help and fueling he wanted to provide for me. Thankfully, we've hung out together long enough, Jesus and me, that it doesn't take too long before his voice breaks in. Oh, daughter, you're not alone. As you care for Philip, I am caring for you. I'm your full-time caregiver, and I know already that I am a lot of work. (laughs) He is our full-time caregiver. Amen. What about other joy stealers? Maybe we're stuck in sin. There are broken patterns in our lives that we haven't confessed to Jesus, and we haven't experienced that sweet gift of forgiveness. Living with all our brokenness on our backs makes it hard to experience joy. It's heavy. And maybe... Maybe we've lost our joy because we can't imagine God would let this happen to us. Good people. And instead we find ourselves offended. And we blame God rather than trusting him. Why me? Where do we get the idea that we can avoid trouble and sorrow? Why are we shocked or irate when it comes to us? How can we be so blind to the depth of human suffering throughout history and all around us, to believers and non-believers alike, and think we get a pass? Suffering is everywhere. Before this disease I was a part of a sort of privileged elite. The club that knows little of suffering and has lived a pretty charmed life. This left me naive and blind to the pain all around me. I have had to confess that. Jesus declares hard times will be our reality and promises to bring peace, courage, and hope. And Philip continues on, quoting a verse from John 16. For in this unbelieving world, you will experience trouble and sorrows. But you must be courageous, says Jesus, for I have conquered the world. So if this is true, 
How do we have the audacity to put God on trial for every hurt or threaten to disavow his very existence every time a crisis comes? Philip continues, when we choose to blame God rather than trust him, it prevents joy from germinating in our hearts. It prevents that trust from growing. Let's repent of a weak faith that's quick to blame and slow to trust. Jesus has overcome the world's pain and he wants to share his peace with us and through us. He can carry our grief and sorrow because by his wounds we're healed. That's right out of Isaiah 53. And Philip also says there's another temptation, another joy killer, and that's choosing to be the victim. The fight to become a victim is more real than you can imagine. The lure of being the victim shows up in a thousand temptations to blame God, envy others, especially when they talk about plans and future dreams and vacations, and even to leverage the disease for attention and favors. It's a dangerous path that bonds us to the illness. That bonds us to the illness. I'm, I'm using all my hands here. And distances us from God's grace and power and joy. So early on, says Philip, I had to do business with God about this. And with his help, I rejected it and declared the truth, which I still declare today. I may have ALS, but ALS does not have me. It does not define me. I will not subjugate myself to it in any way. And Robin, I will add, because choosing to be a victim means choosing a false identity instead of the joy of the Lord. And when we do that, our lives reflect that choice. It seems like the doors to comfort, blessing, encouragement, and joy close. But when we live with our identity rooted in Jesus, it's powerful. We develop these huge spiritual muscles, and it especially affects how we pray. We don't pray as victims. It's not help, help, help. We pray with confidence and expectation because we know who we are and we know who we belong to. We pray with freedom to trust God's plan his purpose, his timing, no matter what. We pray as Jesus taught us, deliver us from the evil one. We push back the darkness, and in the name of Jesus, we declare Christ's authority over the devil, over ALS, over Philip's body, over all the amazing medical professionals who have lovingly supported us. Everything submits to him and his plan. And we recognize as we pray, God's plan and purpose may be temporarily, because we follow Jesus, a hard one. Sustaining joy. These days I stand on the foundations of my identity of being redeemed by Jesus, adopted by Father God, and resuscitated by the Holy Spirit. This is the source of everything. We are learning on this journey where to find hope, strength, and joy. Where to find life, where to discover real life. My usual sources are rapidly failing, disappearing actually. 
I've lost the muscles to embrace the present, and the time to dream about the future. Most of the things that excited me in the past can't help me now. Leisure, sport, travel, personal ambition have all gone bankrupt. So where, when do I invest? Philip continues, well, if you're looking for a deep dive, there's so much more in the Second Corinthians passage, but be warned, Paul is giving a master class with some radical claims. Paul calls us to shift our dependency from what is temporal to what is eternal, to engage what is unseen rather than what is seen. From 2 Corinthians 4. So no wonder we don't give up. For even though our outer person gradually wears out, our inner being is being renewed every single day. We view our slight, short-lived troubles in the light of eternity. We see our difficulties as the substance that produces for us an eternal, weighty glory far beyond all comparison. Because we don't focus our attention on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary. But what but the unseen realm is eternal. That is so radical. This eternal, weighty glory is so important to Paul in the middle of his suffering. It's not just heaven, but a reward in heaven for his faithfulness. What a sobering challenge to value the unseen when we're still here and now. To prioritize the unseen is to find life where God is. Practices like worshiping and praying together as a family are life-giving for us. Our kids follow Jesus, which is a huge joy for us, and they're pressing into him uh, to be their anchor through this whole season and journey. And, uh, I mean, as a mom but and as a dad, for sure, I'm sure. Oh, man, that's huge, 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 huge. Uh, vulnerable, transparent relationships, they build us up. Even testifying today to God's goodness That in itself builds our faith because we really have to think, okay, do we believe this? Because we're going to stand up in front of you and we're like, oh yeah, oh yeah, 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 we sure do. We choose to live life from all that is true in this unseen realm, in our forever story, our redeemedness. We're adopted and loved by Father God. Our spirits are spiritually connected to God's spirit, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we're God's children. That's in Romans 8, 16. Okay, slight time out, and you're having a healing service today. A note about healing. Since the beginning, we have been pursuing God and asking for healing physical healing because we know our God has authority over sickness and death. Remember that if you grew up in the church, you will know the story of the friends who were so committed to their friend being healed and they couldn't get in to see Jesus, so they actually did a little instant renovation, broke a hole through the roof, lowered the guy down in front of Jesus. And and what did Jesus do? Did he say, be healed? No, he said, you're forgiven. And that most powerful first healing was that inner one. You're forgiven. Your life's sin, it's gone. 
And then he saw the, the Pharisees looking pretty judgmental, and he said, oh, and just to show you how powerful I am, get up, go home, celebrate with your friends. And he healed his body. Well, we've seen, we haven't seen ALS leave yet. That's God's prerogative. But we're going to keep asking. But while this outer body continually wastes away, we can so joyfully testify to the miraculous healing of our inner being. That forgiveness part is huge. Along the way, none of us, speaking of our family, would return to who we were pre-diagnosis. Our relationships have never been healthier. Our hearts have never been softer. Vulnerability and tears flow freely, and so does the laughter, lots of laughter. We've allowed the Lord to heal our hearts from anger, doubt, fear. This isn't automatic. There are many bitter people who struggle with disease. We've met them. But when we choose to trust him, it releases the miracle of a more holistic healing, and we're living it right now. So back to this Second Corinthians passage as we draw to a close. It's the one that explains how we carry the presence of God in common, weak, even cracked jars of clay. Verse 7 says, we're like common clay jars that carry this glorious treasure within so that this immeasurable power will be seen as God's, not ours. We continually share in the death of Jesus in our own bodies so that the resurrection life of Jesus will be revealed through our humanity. Now I've always known this. That God overrides our weakness. But I never considered that it was his intention to shine through our brokenness. Could this be how God chooses to reveal himself to the world? Not through our success or health, but through our suffering, our struggle, even our decaying bodies. Therefore reclassifying suffering for the believer. So our weakness doesn't disqualify us, it qualifies us. Tragedy doesn't prove there is no God, rather it becomes an opportunity for him to demonstrate his amazing grace for everyone to see. Persecution isn't an unfortunate consequence of believing, but rather God's venue for our witness. So the very thing that we are ashamed of is where God wants to meet us and heal us, so we can talk about it freely and help others in similar situations. Isn't that amazing? In my own journey of sustaining joy, there's been a tender awareness that's grown. It's been a powerful truth much greater than I can understand that as the journey has gotten harder, in a sense, God has gotten bigger. He's filling me with faith. And I think maybe... It's because God has been faithful to all the yeses that he's called me to over the years. They've given me roots of faith that have laid my foundation on solid rock. The storms have come, and all those years of walking with Jesus are bearing fruit. He's done what he said he would do. 
He would teach me his ways so I would follow in his paths. Surrendering long ago has prepared my faith for today's challenges. And that Colossians passage where hidden with Christ in God, the full passage says, Since you've been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. So that's why we share. We want Christ to be revealed to the whole world. We believe he is the answer for every human on this planet. We believe that with all that we are. We want everyone to know that God is real and true, and that he's the joy giver regardless of your circumstances. We want to encourage ourselves and everyone else to redirect our focus on the eternal story, the eternal truth that God has given us new life and new hope and new joy through his son Jesus. And that he doesn't just show up in hard times, but he knows the way through, and he promises to go with us and prove himself faithful. And joy is here. Joy for the whole world. So where are you today? What is your story? We've been ending our sharing with a couple of questions which we'll have an opportunity to reflect on. And as you reflect on them, think about this whole concept of of living with our our gaze fixed on the whole story and not the moment that is here. What have I blamed God for? Am I stuck with a weight of disappointment or even accusation that's isolating me from joy? Do I need to repent and ask God to renew my faith and trust in him? And then the second question Have I bonded with a false identity and preferred the role of victim? What's my faith statement? I may have or be experiencing blank, but blank doesn't have me. Let's take some time to reflect on them. And I pray you hear the sweet, always inviting, always loving voice of God calling you deeper.